0: Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. The vision of Colonial Church is to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church right here in the heart of St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. So if you got your Bibles, why don't you open with me to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13, and if you were here last week, you're probably thinking, why are we going to the same passage we went to last week? But there's a reason for it. It's because we're going to a different part of the passage, but I'm excited for what God has for us uh, out of His Word this morning. One thing we believe in our church is that God always speaks through His Word. He always speaks through His Word, especially if you have the lean in and the posture that says, God, speak to me, talk to me, tell me what you want me to hear, help me to understand what it is you've got for me. So we believe that God does that every single week in our church because. That's what we believe for. His, his Word never returns void. Amen? Okay. So, in Numbers 13, I'm going to read it from verse 17. I think we're going to put it up on the screen as well. If you didn't bring your Bibles, we'll put it up on the screen for you. This is after Moses establishes who the spies are going to be to go into Canaan. Verse 17, Moses sent, the spy, sorry, sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country. Verse 18 And see what the land is, and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether there are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank You, Father, for the power of Your Word this morning, God. Holy Spirit, we say You're welcome here. Father, thank you, to, thank you that You've allowed us to even do two services. Lord, thank You that You've allowed us the honor, Lord, of building Your church. Father, I pray that Your anointing would be on this service, Lord. Father, there would be um, a sense of Your Spirit. Father, there would just be a sense of, of breakthrough for Your people, Lord, that people would understand their purpose, Father, in church. No greater thing, Lord, it is to be in your house. In Jesus' name, in a faith-filled 9 a.m. church said together, Amen. Amen. The title of the message this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. Do it for the kids. Do it for the kids. And that will become clear through the message. But I spoke last week from Numbers 13 as well, a little bit further along in the passage. But I spoke a message called Big Thinker, Big Life. And what that was all about was us adjusting the frames of our lives and believing God and having faith and trusting Him to expand the frame of our lives to allow us to have the type of thinking that Caleb and Joshua had. See, their thinking was different. It was more aligned to God's thinking. It was more aligned to His Spirit. In fact, Caleb's uh, response to Moses and when he he spoke to the other people, he told everyone to quiet down and he said, he didn't even describe the land. He just said, we can go up and take the land. It's ours, that promise, that, that potential that God has already established would be ours. He's already said, He's already spoken it over us. It's ours and we can, we can take it. But we're reading in a different part of the passage today because here Moses, he takes a moment before he sends the spies out and he kind of gives them, gives them the MO, gives them the, the questions, gives them a bunch of questions. He says, this is what I want to know. This is what I want to find out. Give me this info. And I believe that you yourself here today, if you could look into the future towards your own God-given destiny and your own God-given purpose, you could almost ask the same things. Say, Lord, what is it like? I want to know. See, there were questions for the spies in Numbers. But on this side of the cross, friends, we have Jesus On this side of the cross, in our New Testament, New Covenant, better covenant relationship, better covenant um, than the Old Covenant, questions like this, they certainly still apply. We have Jesus, which is ultimately our inheritance. And there may not be a physical land that you go to in Israel like these guys did. For them, it was Canaan. Maybe there are people here. You will go to Israel and go and live there. But for us, none of us are probably going to do that. But we still have our own inheritance We still have our own spiritual inheritance ahead. Every single one of us sitting here today has a plan and a purpose and a call from God. It's beautiful, it's unique, and it's given to us as an inheritance. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to grit our teeth and flex our muscles and try to make it happen. No, we just need to go forward and inherit the land. So look at the questions that he asked. We're going to put them up on the screen because I think it's pretty cool to look at. He says this, look over the land. That was question number one. Look over the land. What's it like? What's it like? Number two, assess the people. Are they weak or are they strong? Are they few or are they many? Question number three, observe the land. Is it pleasant or is it harsh? What's it like? Question number four. Describe the towns where they live. Moses wanted to know what the living conditions were like. What this beautiful promised land was like for the people that are already there. What was it like for them? He says, are they in open camps or fortified walls? And question number five, he speaks about the soil. And the soil, he says, is it fertile or is it barren? Are there forests? I love that. Are there forests? Bring back a sample of the produce that grows there. I feel like this is going to preach to someone today. I feel like someone needs this faith message today. I feel, someone, feel like someone in this room today needs to hear that you do have your own promised land. It's called living in Christ. It's called living, having Christ on the inside of you, living in your heart. But there is so much potential for you. There is so much ahead for you. See, there's the lie of the enemy that tells you this season you're in today is kind of it. That you've capped out that this is kind of it, there's a ceiling over you. That's the lie of the enemy for today that says, well, you know, where we've come to, it's been good. Man, those, those were the good old days. You ever heard that one before? Oh, those were the good old days. That's when it used to be really good. See, that's what the enemy loves for you to believe, that the season you're in or maybe the season that was before means there's a cap on it, there's a ceiling over it, and there's nothing further ahead, but it couldn't be further from the truth. What about your own future? What about your own promised land? What does it look like for you? What are the people that you will live with and dwell with in your promised land? Think of family. Think of loved ones. Think about your own God-given destiny. So what I wanted to do this morning was, why why don't we do this? Why don't we ask the Holy Spirit to show us something? I would love it if we could all just close our eyes right now. Come on, let's all close our eyes. I promise this will be fun. But Why don't you just ask the Holy Spirit right now, what is my promised land look like? What's my inheritance look like? What's the future potential look like for me? What could it be like? Just begin to ask Him yourself. Look over the land. What's the land like? What are the people like in your promised land? Who's there? Who's in the promised land? Who's there for you? What's the land like? Is it pleasant? Is it lush and green? What's the fruit like? Or in other words, what's the blessing like? What's it like for me? What's the blessing that you'll live in? I think it's good just to close your eyes for a moment and just ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, what's that look like for me? My future, my potential, my destiny in Jesus' name. Okay, you can open your eyes now. Don't go to sleep on me just yet. I know it's an hour earlier. Still interested to see who's going to show up at 10 (laughs) o'clock. We read last week about the report that they gave them. They actually went to the land, the spies. They went there and they actually got to see it for their own eyes. They didn't have to close their eyes and be transported that way. They went there themselves. And the 10, they were negative. There was no faith at all. But the funny thing about it is they actually agreed that the land was great. In verse 27, we went to the land to which you sent us. Oh, and it does flow with milk and honey. They say, just look at this fruit. See, these were the negative ones. These are the ones who didn't believe. They still agreed that it was incredible. They still agreed that it was amazing. They still agree, agreed that the inheritance that God had promised them was simply stunning. But Caleb, he didn't even mention what the land was like. He didn't even bother answering Moses' Moses's questions. He said, well, let those guys do that for me. He went straight to the promise. He said, no. No. It says in verse 30, Caleb interrupted, called for silence before Moses said, let's go up and take the land. We can do it now. See, Caleb and Joshua, they were big thinkers. They were big thinkers. They had a large frame, large faith-based thinking that aligned with God's promise, that aligned with God's perspective. I think for you, friends, if you could just line up your confession with God's promise, so much would change. If you could just line up your confession, the way you speak, because that's what Caleb did. All he was doing was simply lining his confession up with the the faith frame that God had already outlaid for him. God had already given him the promise. God had already said, this is what I'm going to do. All he had to do was match his words up with it. Man, there's something in that for us. But what if Caleb and Joshua's thinking was so much bigger than them? What if Caleb and Joshua's thinking was so much more than just about them, what if part of the promise for them was more than just their own one dimensional faith? See, one dimensional faith, if I could just explain that, is just like our own lane, it's just our own lane, and we're in our lane, and there's nothing wrong with being in your lane. God designed you to have a lane, but our faith sometimes can just become one dimensional where it's just about us. It's just about what God has for us. It's just about our healing or it's just about our prosperity or it's just about us, us getting what we need. And having faith in God for those things is great. But we need to understand that faith is not just about us. There's something in here for us today. See, the rest, they weren't willing to think big and trust God. They just wanted to run and to hide. Yet the invitation to follow God's Word and trust Him was actually about more than just them. They needed to trust and be willing to inherit the land to be with their own people and to receive the fruit that it produces for everyone, not just them, not just the 10. See, what takes place in this passage is God is trying to get His people to understand this is more than just about you. This is more than just even the finite number of Israelites here today. This is about everyone that I plan to to give the promise to. I think faith is so much more than just us. It's got so much more to do with with the people that come after us, the people that are surrounded by us, the people that are in our world. Dads especially, I think, need to get this message. Can I speak to the dads in the room for just a moment? Maybe even the dads who in the coming days might listen to this podcast But in Proverbs 13, and verse 22, it says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. But the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. I personally believe that this is about laying up something for your kids. A lot of people think, well, that's just about money. And it is. I personally believe it is about laying a foundation for your kids. And Jill and I are personally committed to making sure that we leave an inheritance for our children's children. But what if the inheritance was something else altogether as well? What if the inheritance you will leave your kids is all about you having the faith to inherit the land that they get to do life in? Let me say it again. What if the inheritance that you will leave your kids is all about you having the faith to inherit the land that they get to do life in? See, I think there's so much multidimensional sides to our faith that we need to consider that if we stopped and considered we'd understand it's it's so much more than about me i need to do it for the kids i need to do it for the people around me i need to do it for the people in my world dad's can i keep speaking to you you're the leader of your home do it for the kids when it comes to your own walk with jesus yes have passion have faith do it for yourself make sure it's your own personal revelation of who jesus is but understand you're also doing it for your kids when it comes to kids and Maybe you've got middle schoolers or high schoolers. Can I encourage you? Why don't you, Dad, step out in faith and make sure? You might not be the ones that drop them off there on a Wednesday night, but why don't you make sure that they absolutely get there? Because when it comes to your faith, it's also not just about you. It's about your kids as well. Why don't you make sure that it impacts the world around you as well? See, the thing about this passage is that it gets multidimensional the further you read it. In chapter 14, God chooses to disown the people for a lack of faith. I think we're going to put verse 22 up on the screen. But God responds to Moses' pleas not to, to, to disinherit his own people. But look at the distinction that God makes here. This is God's response in verse 22. It says, "'None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give their fathers.'" and none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and he has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land in which he went, and listen to it, and his descendants shall possess it. It's not just about Caleb anymore. It's not just about Joshua anymore. It's not just about whether or not they had a willingness to get off and go into the land. All of a sudden. There's wider implications. Can I encourage you, friends, dads, moms, parents, whoever's in this room today, there are wider implications for your faith. It's not just about you. Do it for the kids. You might be in here today and you might be like, well, I'm an empty nester. I don't have any kids anymore. They've all left. Or maybe you never had any kids. What if you had the faith today in our church, especially to say, you know what? I might be a spiritual parent to someone in this room. And you're the type of person who comes into our church and week after week you decide, I'm going to be a spiritual parent to someone. And I'm going to see that young man or that young woman. And I know that God has spoken to me about them. And every time I see them, I'm going to encourage them. Every time I see them, I'm going to speak life into them. Every time I see them, I'm going to tell them that God has an amazing potential for them. Personally, I thought that was great preaching. But Caleb has a different spirit. God says he's followed me fully and I will bring him in. I will bring in His descendants, and they shall possess it. His descendants, the generations. When we started our church, which is not that old, but when we started, we started in our living room. We had a Connect Group Bible study. It's kind of the way we start everything in our church. We just start off Connect Group style Bible study, and uh, we just believe that's kind of the the best way to do it, to get genuine community, and people getting around God's Word, and there being real genuine buy-in, and it's more organic, and that's the way we believe that it should be done. That's how our church started. And it's kind of funny, but the, the way that I sort of measure our church, or I know where we're at in church life, is my youngest son, Charlie, was born basically at the, at the same time. <laughs> so it was kind of like we had our, I think, I think we had a second Connect Group study, and then um, Charlie was born, and then a week later we had the next Connect Group study, and it just kind of went on and on and on. And every time I look at him, I'm like, oh, well, that's how old our church is. He's kind of like my own yardstick. (laughs) But at the time, we were thinking about, you know, not just becoming a connect group, but something bigger called Colonial. And I was spending time just meditating and praying and trying to figure out, Lord, is this it? Because in case you didn't know, Jill and I, we, we didn't have to do this, but we wanted to do this. And I really wanted to make sure that we were doing it for real. And I wanted to make sure that we were doing it for keeps. See, where I've come from, the church that I was raised in, spiritually speaking, you don't go and start something and bail on it in three or four years. You don't start something and just take off. And, you know, I don't understand this whole methodology or this thinking when it comes to ministry is just a job. It's not a job, it's a calling. And so I was just spending time thinking about it and examining my own motives trying to figure that out. And at one time, I think we we're at a connect group study, and there were just kids everywhere this, this particular Sunday. We did leadership Sundays before we launched sort of weekly services, and there would be sometimes 30 kids in my house. You get to an hour later, I'd be like, I just want to get these kids out of my house. But there were just kids everywhere. And it was about the same time I was meditating, and I was thinking, and I was working through it, and I was, God, God what, what is this all about? Is this, is this it? Like, is this what we're going to do? And He began to speak to me about the generations. And I was drawn to Psalm 145. Listen to it from the message in verse 4. Generation after generation stands in awe at your work. And each one tells of the stories of your mighty acts. Your beauty and your splendor have everyone talking. I compose songs of your wonders. Look at it in verse 6. Your marvelous doings are headline news. A headline news, I could write a book full of the details of your greatness. And I came to this conclusion, I'll just do it for the kids. I see all these kids running around everywhere and seem to be showing up at my house every week. I'll just do it for the kids. I'll just do it for the kids because I want my kids to be raised in a faith environment. That's what I want for the next generation to see that, that the headline news for them is God's marvelous doing. That the headline news in a world that's trying to push headline news at you all day long, that there would be a generation that rise up to say, when it comes to me and my headline news, it's all about God. And when I I look at our church, I'll say this, I'll do it for the kids. Do it for the kids. You should understand, friends, that your faith reaches far wider and has a greater impact than you will ever know. That's what faith is. Faith is trusting God with the outcome. The part that we have to make sure we do is show up and show up and sow in and trust God. But what a powerful way to live our lives. Can I encourage you, friends, serve on the dream team, not just for you, but for the kids. Make the house of God a priority for you, but also for your kids, for the generations. Commit to tithing and bringing the best to church, not just for you and the blessing that it will bring on your life, but also for the kids decide to be planted in the house of the Lord for the kids. See, worldly logic will always say otherwise. Worldly logic will always say, maybe because of the kids we should draw back. Maybe because of the kids we should take a little bit of a step back. And I get that. Sometimes seasons are crazy. And, but see, that's exactly what happened here in chapter 14. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. This is the response in verse 2. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If we only had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Man, they were were low at this point. (laughs) Verse 3. Why is the Lord taking us into this country only to have us die in battle? Look at what they say. Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? So what did they do? They used the kids as the reason the logical reason, the logical excuse to draw back and to not have faith. And I think sometimes you see that in church life. Sometimes you see that in church life and, wow, all of a sudden our church is growing, not from, from one service, but now we've got two services. And who I believe in faith one day pretty soon we're going to have a Sunday night service as well. And so it would be so easy in seasons like that with the kids, or maybe a busy season to come and just say, oh, I just need to draw back because of the kids. I need to step back and make sure the kids have enough space. I don't want to put too much pressure on the kids. Can I encourage you, friend, when it comes to that type of thinking, we should actually go the opposite way to what logic is telling us. Immerse your kids in the things of God. Be willing to put them into church all day to be around the things of God because there is something that comes from it. This is what they said, oh, what what about our little ones? They'll be carried off as plunder. We see it so much. But remember the questions that Moses asked? I want to answer a few of them for us today. What's the land like? For us today, what's the church like? What's the landscape look like? See, we're believing for a church where you walk in here and the room's filled with people worshipping Jesus, filled with people praising God, lifting off the chains of whatever the week was or whatever it looked like and walking into a place. What's it like? I want people to ask you in the future, what's colonial like? What's your church like? And you can say, man, there's people everywhere worshipping Jesus. What was the next question? What are the people like? I'm believing that our kids will grow up in a powerful worship setting filled with people in community that really love Jesus, but also love each other. What's the fruit like? I love that question. What's the fruit like? You come into church to get fed. You come into church in the house of God to, to sit at the table, to dine at the table. want our kids in the next generation to grow up feeding off good produce. The next question, what's the soil like? And I thought about this one and I meditated on it. I believe God gave me what it, what it means. A place where the kids can sow their lives into Do it for the kids. See, exactly when logic says take a step back is exactly when you need to take a faith step. Take a faith step. Because your faith will pay dividends in the future. Your faith today is like an investment that will pay dividends in the future. See, the beautiful thing about it is you may not ever see those dividends being paid might be generations and generations. See, I wasn't raised in a house that was a Christian home. And that's okay. You might be the same as me, but that's okay. But it stops with me. See, see from my generation onwards, it's going to be different. And that can be that way for you too. They can have their own promise because you decided in faith, this is the way I'm going to live my life. In faith, this is what I'm going to sow my life into. In faith, I'm committed to being around the people of God who are going to sow into my kids' lives as well. It's one thing I want to believe for in our church. There'll be amazing mentors for kids. See, as parents, any parents in the room here today? I know there's a few. This is a 9 a.m. service. So I know there's parents here. But one thing we can't guarantee is they're always going to look to us as parents for their answers. See, one of the reasons we're building this church and we're believing for God to breathe on our church is so our kids will be raised up with powerful mentors, youth leaders, people in different ministries that are able to speak into their lives. They come across someone who's like maybe a youth pastor and they say, man, that guy just speaks into my life. He tells me what I need to hear. Because let me tell you, friends, the world will try to be that voice. The world will try to speak into that person's life. The world will try to get a hold of that thinking. Do it for the kids. Let's believe for the next generation. Come on, church. Let's believe to see sons and daughters raised in the house. Believe to see sons and daughters sitting in these seats knowing who they are, aware of their inheritance, boldly claiming their own land, boldly claiming their own promise, boldly moving forward to become all they're called to be, working in the inheritance, establishing for themselves their own inheritance because of the faith that came before. It's powerful. As so the team comes back up. I love this because today, 2018, things are a little different than it was in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13, it's Old Testament. You had to do certain things. You had to fulfill certain obligations. You had to make a way to God. But because of Jesus, our inheritance is, in a sense, already known. In a sense, we know exactly what we're in for, which is beautiful. You know, the thing that I love about the New Testament, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And one of the common, just the, the way that a Christian is described in the New Testament, in these letters, especially Paul's letters, I think 164 times in Paul's letters alone, Christians are described as in Christ, in the Lord, or in Him. That's the way we're described. But let's see, that's the thing about us today, 2018, there's no guessing game anymore, because the Bible tells us that we are in Christ. Christ we know what we're working towards we know what God has ahead of us because Jesus made it all clear the Holy Spirit confirmed it and we have it in Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 in the New Living Translation Paul says this to the church in Philippi he says but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives And we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same power with which He will bring everything under control. Our inheritance is in Jesus. Our promises are fulfilled in Jesus. Our potential, our destiny is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. See, that's the beauty of the difference between What took place in Numbers 13 and what's taking place in this seat that you're sitting in right now, it's all because of Jesus. Our lives have been completely changed because of Jesus. It's the gospel that causes us to live like Joshua and Caleb, reaping all the benefits, a life that's in Christ. I don't know about you, friends, but I want to have faith today and tomorrow and the days and the seasons to come, to believe in faith that God has got a good land for me, that God has got good produce for me to have, that God has got good people for me to be around. Come on, can I get an amen in the 9 a.m. service this morning? That's what He has for you and that's what He has for me. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Sundays at church or visit us at www.colonialchurch.org